On the tee, the knackered golfist. Four, please. The knackered golfist now driving. You are listening live to the Knackered Golfist Podcast. The Knackered Golfist Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Knackered Golfist Podcast. I'm your host, the Knackered Golfist, and today uh, I wanted to share an outing that I had yesterday at a golf course in the Bay Area, and I had a few things happen this week uh, regarding golf club equipment, and um, I've been sharing a few pictures on my Instagram page and also the Forge Golf Appreciation page on Facebook, and it's... um, it's about a set of clubs that I sort of wanted when I was a kid. It was uh, I grew up playing golf um, in the late '80s, early '90s, more in the early '90s, uh, like '92, '93 was kind of when the game really took a hold of me, and I really wanted to be a part of it, and I really wanted to enjoy it. But I didn't have the I didn't have really good equipment to play with. I uh, I really saw, I mean, I, I saw stuff on, guys playing stuff on TV, um, more specifically, you know, the 92, 1992 US Open at Pebble Beach uh, was won by Tom Kite, and I really think he played these irons. It's the, the Ben Hogan Apex uh, Fort Worth, Texas Forge Blades that I got, I got back on Wednesday, and... Um, it's a it's a kind of an old kind of a knackered set, but I mean these are really historic and they're really kind of rare. And I found these at a used golf store, and I uh, I traded I actually traded my Ben Hogan edges for them. And I found you know the edges weren't really that good, and I was talking to I was talking to Doug Otten about it, and he said he didn't really like them. So the cavity backs the hogan cavity backs kind of weren't that weren't that good as as far as i i mean i liked them when i got them and i made a video about it on the range and people responded to them and uh they're sort of out i don't know they're they're sort of they're sort of um the the head is really kind of big and it's it's not like playing a uh, ping i2 or anything like that but it's just sort of i mean there's so much more elegance and some in uh, there's elegance and how should i say gosh how how do i describe this this ben hogan apex it's just it's a straight blade and and it's what it's what it's what ben hogan really knew how to do and uh this was when he was alive and it wasn't. It was the original Ben Hogan Company from Fort Worth, Texas, and um, all the. It's only three through nine iron, but I, uh, I put in a request for somebody that's a member of the, uh, the Forge Golf Appreciation page to sort of find if he can, if anybody. I mean, uh, if he can find an equalizer wedge because the equalizer wedge will make it complete but then i kind of want to investigate if i can find a a one or a two iron as well because i love one irons and what's great about this set is that it's with the amf number four shaft and um, i know it doesn't say amf on the shaft label but it says hogan apex number four shaft on it and that was the best 
that was the best shaft that you could ever have on a club, I think. And, you know, back when I was a kid, I could fade the ball a bit more easy, and I was more limber, and I was, um, I had more flexibility in my swing. But still, when you hit one of these pure, it really felt great. And um, I actually played with them yesterday at a course. I played, uh, I played Blue Rock Springs golf course again, and it was... Um, over in Vallejo, California, and it, it was fun. It was the, the west course that I played. The east course is what I played last week, and that was that was fun. It was a good experience to, uh, to learn kind of how to play in the wind and how to play with undulations again, because I don't play golf courses with many uh, undulations in them at all. Let me take a sip of uh, chai right now. Mmm. Oh, masala chai. Oh, that's good. Anyway, um, let's let's have a sound effect here. Don't overdo it. Not with your back. Yeah, I did some sound overs for this. Sound overs or voiceovers? Ooh, lovely. <laughs> anyway, so try to lighten up the mood here. Hopefully, you can hear that. But I'm, you know, it's it's sort of a fun thing to do, uh, playing golf after work, uh, to be able to unwind after a long and stressful and and physical, exhausting week. I mean, no, it was great. I had a really good week. Uh, finished off yesterday with a with a bang. No, helped out a lot. So anyway, uh, this golf course, this Blue Rock Springs golf course, was an interesting experience. Um, I played with uh, three other folks that were out there, and I just joined them on the tee. I played with Carlo, I played with Phil, and I played with Naomi. And I have to say that Naomi was really an awesome lady to play golf with because she really was able to put that ball in the fairway every time, and she was very, very consistent with her takeaway and bringing the club up to parallel and having kind of a pause at parallel and then coming down and striking the ball. It was a great afternoon to watch her play golf and it was really it was really special because she was really uh she plays golf a lot and she's uh she's a skilled um she's members she's a member of a, of the ladies group in that local area but it was great to play and if Naomi if you hear this I really had a joke I really had a good time playing with you. So and then I played with uh, Carlo and Phil, and those guys were great. And we were having a ball out there at the West Course at Blue Rock Springs Golf Course. So, you know, it's it's a course that uh, it's a course that sort of it reminds like the there's a there's a section of holes that sort of reminds me of an of an of a f sort of wider open parkland kind of a course that has maybe a bit bigger of fairways with really established trees. There's some pine trees out there. I think there's some cypresses out there that I really like. I, I really like the cypresses, and I, and I can't remember if I saw any eucalyptus trees, but you come up to a eucalyptus tree, and you just tear off one of those leaves, and you smell it, and it really smells nice. Um, you just... And, you know, the course was uh, a mixture of sort of uh, low elevation, flat sort of holes, and then you had the really undulating terrain kind of holes that went uphill and downhill. Um, 
you know, the first hole we got there, and I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm trying to not sort of describe hole by hole, shot by shot this time, like I did in the last episode, but I just, you know, the course was cool. I, I like, I, I like being able to place my shots in an area where you have to place your shot, and the the thing about it for this course is that there's always there's always a 150 yard barber pole that you can aim at and you can aim it off the tee. I played the blue tees and the other guys played on the white tees and Naomi played on the red tees, the ladies tees. And it was, you know, it was sort of it was interesting cuz there would be times where you would sort of you know, have conversation and then you have to like, oh, it's time to hit. So we have to sort of separate to go to the other tees. And that sort of broke up the, uh, the enjoyment that we have sort of, you know, fraternizing with one another, talking to one another. Um, but I mean, that's golf. I mean, that's sort of the difference in skill level kind of thing. Um, I, uh, I got a sense of what it's like to play on a course that can be really uh, slow during an afternoon, sort of, as Naomi put it, twilight time, because when, twi when twilight comes along, there's a lot more golfers that come out onto the golf course, and on this course, there's also a, there's also a contingent of golfers out there that walk with either carrying the golf bags or pushing the cart or having the motorized cart, but then walking kind of thing. And that's good. That's all well and good. But I think, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of sad that you can't really be out there to have a great time. You sort of, you're sort of stuck in the mindset of making great time. Like, like the interstate versus going through route 66 kind of thing. You're so used to being on interstate 80 or interstate 40 and you're just making great time, you know, five minutes per per exit, you know, oh, there's an in and out over there, there's a Subway sandwich shop, or, you know, you got to look at the phone to check the traffic and all this stuff. You know, wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be interesting if you had an app on your phone that could tell you the traffic jam on a golf course? I mean, that'd be, that'd be freaking crazy. But uh, anyway, don't overdo it. Not with your back. No, I just had to do that. There was another one I was looking for. Ooh, lovely. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if you could just do that? Because the 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 flow of traffic on a golf course should be sort of consistent with what you're trying to do. You know, granted, granted, you get you tee off at 3:10 in the afternoon and then you get off the course at 8 o'clock in the evening. I mean, is that sort of a day wasted? No, I don't think so. It would have been nice to finish earlier. I mean, I left my job in Davis, California, and I and I uh, I drove down Interstate 80 to get to Vallejo to sort of try to cool off, and that's the whole reason why I went to that course was to cool off and to have a sort of outing where it was nice and cool. It wasn't so hot and oppressive. I mean, I I think the next round of golf that I'm going to play might be closer to home. And I think it's going to be a better, um, you know, me being out there and I'll just be able to tinker around with stuff because especially also on a, on a new golf course, you don't know where to hit the ball. And you, it was, it was great that my, the folks I was playing with, they gave me pointers on where to hit the ball. 
I did have a good shot on an uphill par five. I think it was I, I don't know what name I don't know what number it was. It could have been like the six hole or something like that. It was a, a five hundred yard par five. You had a you know oh gosh what was it? You you sort of you sort of drive. You have your drive and then it's sort of uphill sort of right to left over some trees and it was kind of a cool looking hole there are some cool holes out there but i think there is there's a uh there was like a nine holes that was especially on the west course there was a nine holes that was sort of built first i think and those are the holes that are that have all the established trees on them and those are the flatter holes and then you have the holes that are up in the hills and up and down the hills and those are the those are the next that was the next phase of holes to go in and then you had you know you had all the elevation change and I just wasn't used to it and it was sort of it was hard it was hard for me to play out there and it was it was it was tough to sort of wait to uh to uh to wait for the group in front of us and I have a story about um the lady that played in the group in front of us actually hit my ball on the ninth hole. I hit a spectacular drive down the ninth hole, and it was it went maybe 20 yards further than where the barber pole was. And this was the uh, this was the ninth hole, and they had been playing slow all day, and they claimed that they were held up by the group in front of them, which is understandable, but. You, um, they weren't the, the greatest skilled golfers and they took really long time to do stuff and they were sort of, but this lady hit my ball and she looked, she reminded me of Valerie Perrine from Superman, the lady who played Miss Tessbacher. And I wanted to yell at her. I said, Miss Tessbacher. But, uh, no, it was, it was cool. Cause she was, she re, you know, she saw the, I was like, I am sorry, ma'am. Did you, did you hit my ball on your green? Cause I, I really hit a great shot, and and I go out in the middle of the fairway, and I know a I know a kangaroo didn't steal my ball, but I I I know that the ball was out there. Did you by chance see my ball? And she, and she went on the green, and she sort of looked at the balls that were out there, and uh, she did. She indeed took my ball, and she actually played it, and actually finished the hole with it. But uh, so she gave it back, and I went back to the place that. There was a uh, a consensus of where the ball landed, and I just played it from there. And I think I got a par in that hole, but it ended up good. You know, at the end of the day, golf is better than work. And you know, if you have a disagreement on a golf course, at least you can sort of play through it, kind of thing. Um, there was some. There was there was a lot of waiting on the front nine, and uh, I actually asked the group ahead of me. It was actually the group that I just mentioned. You know. I just mentioned if if we could play through, and they're like, "Well, no, we gotta we gotta wait for the group in front of us." So anyway, ooh, lovely. But um, anyway, so the thing, so I I, I I enjoyed myself. You know, there were, I had a few drives, and I was I was struggling with the putter. You know, I uh, I didn't have my snotty Cameron with me, and I and I my snotty Cameron is under the weather right now because after playing with it last week, I decided to. And try to remove the uh, the uh, back weighted uh, weighting. What do you call it? The the plug kind of thing that's um, that's uh, that adds fifty grams to the butt end of the club. It was a um, it was a plug that was in there 
that uh, tried to weight it down, and it wasn't it wasn't working because it was it was uh, it was a bit annoying, and it 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 didn't go in all the way. I didn't do it correctly, and the whole reason why it didn't happen was there was a there was an insert in the back of the at the end of the shaft, and if you try to insert one of those things into into sort of a what do you call it an, an extension of the shaft it's not going to go in correctly it, it's only gonna it's only gonna work if the shaft comes all the way to the end of the club it's not like an extension kind of plug kind of thing so what i had to do was i had to chop it off i have a chop saw in the garage and i just ended up chopping it off but i but the sad part about that is that i had to I had to cut off the uh, the prized ping palm lock grip that I had on there that was one of the first sort of oversized grips that was out there on the market. And they don't make it anymore. It was a Golf Pride product, and it was very similar to that ping grip that had the three lines on it that had the number five on it. And so that was the best ping putter grip they ever made, and I'm, I was so sad to have to part with that. But... So what ended up happening is that I made a decision. I I got another grip coming, or I actually had it uh, delivered the other day. It's one of those Iomic grips from Japan, and so I'm going to put one of those on there. And with I'm 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 wondering. I don't think I'll do the uh, I don't think I'll do the uh, the whatchamacallit, the uh, the back weighting on that. I think I'll just put some lead tape on the uh, underneath the grip and see how that works. And I'm going to try to make it 36 inches, and hopefully my snotty Cameron will be back in the bag for the next golf outing. So, uh, ooh, lovely. So that's great. So I'm I'm excited about that. What do you think about that, Vin? It's time for the knackered golfist. Anyway, Vin Scully passed away this week, and that wasn't him doing that. That was me. So I love Vin Scully. He was a he was a legendary uh, radio broadcaster that that worked with the the Los Angeles Dodgers and um, I'm, I uh, I was I made an episode last night driving home from playing golf but uh, I I I enjoyed I enjoyed a lot I enjoyed listening to Vince Gully when he would describe things and tell stories and uh, he was on the call for the Dwight Clark catch uh, in '81 when the 49ers beat the Cowboys uh, to go to the Super Bowl 16 in uh, Pontiac, Michigan. He was on there. He did uh, some golf for CBS as well. And he was on the call for Jack Nicklaus's win at Augusta National in 1975 for the Masters Tournament. He was on the call for that. Uh, but what, what I really remember him for the most for golf was when he did the Skins game um, on NBC, and that was, uh, you know, the weekend of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend, Saturday and Sunday. It was a, a really well-renowned course in Palm Springs that uh, there'd be four guys that, that were probably the major money winners on the PGA Tour, and they would have a Skins game every year. And I don't know why it didn't, uh, I don't know why it didn't continue. I, I, I don't know why. It's just like, I don't know why, you know, Vince Scully, Vince Scully did it when it was, uh, when it was started, it was Nicholas Palmer, Trevino, and I probably, I think Gary player as well. 
they had the regular skins game and then they had the senior skins game at a course in uh, Hawaii. I think it, it changed. It's changed. They had it at Mauna Kea, Mauna Lani, uh, a couple other places. A lot, a lot of lava. A lot of lava in uh, Hawaii that uh, that they did that, and that was that was during I think Super Bowl weekend. I can't remember. Anyway, um, I did have. I mean, I don't know. Am I done? Am I done talking about this stuff? Am I done? Ooh, lovely. No, I'm not done with that. Because it's so easy to get in and out of, you know. Oh, anyway. That's the Top Gear. All those those sound effects are from Top Gear. I, I sort of did those myself. It's the, uh, it's the People Carrier special where the Top Gear guys go to sort of an old they they take a uh what do they do they took a uh oh, oh gosh well a fiat multipla and they turned it into they turned it into a vehicle for old people for pensioner people uh in the UK and they had some uh they had some ladies from a home that would that they took around and they they made a really funny episode and it was awesome and I love it I love it to this day and uh and that so easy to get in and out of, you know. That's from a commercial called uh, Shackleton's Furniture. That's in that's in uh, Batley, Indi- uh, England. Um, and they had an advertisement on on television in the UK, and there was this lady sitting in this chair. It's just, it's just so easy to get in and out of, you know. So I just love that. So it's funny. It makes you laugh. And uh, anyway, and this one is ooh, lovely. So there's uh there's there's some sound bites with that. So anyway, it's a good, it's good to have a little laugh. So anyway, any uh anything else about the golf? Um I played like crap yesterday. Put oh, I putted with my Ping Pal 6, my brilliant copper putter that the gentleman from Connecticut sent me and I didn't putt well with it. I uh I had gotten used to the feel of my snotty Cameron, and I was, should I say snotty Cameron or snooty Cameron? Or snooty Cameroon putter? No. Snooty Cameroon doesn't sound very good. No. Snooty Cameron? Is there, I'm I'm just trying to make the the word funny, because it seems, there is there, is there an elitism? Is there a, are you an elitist if you play a Scotty Cameron putter? So for years, I always thought uh, Scotty Cameron putter was sort of overrated and over-designed and over, um, yeah, just charged a lot of money for a putter that didn't really do much. But after last week, I, I was looking at the hole and I was making my putting stroke and my, my Scotty Cameron worked pretty well. There's a lot of weight down there on the head. I mean, I have a 1995 uh, Newport uh, Scotty Cameron and... Uh, it felt pretty good putting. I, I was pretty consistent with it. I didn't have the weights. I mean, there's a. I mean, I love a heavy putter. I love a heavy putter, and I love having that feel in my hands, and just just being able to lag the ball to the hole. I wasn't able to do that yesterday, and it was just terrible. I just I tried everything. I tried looking at the hole. I tried looking down at the ball. I tried putting like Seve, and I was like, okay, what do you do here? You take the putter. You put it back, you put it on the heel, and then you have the toe up like this, like Seve, and then you make the stroke like this, and then the ball goes in the hole. So, anyway, I couldn't putt. I couldn't putt at all. I was putting terrible. But I had new clubs in the bag. 
I was playing a new course, and also what I did was I took the golf shoes out of the car and I played with my golf shoes on. Now that's a that's another big development. Let me take a swig here. Anyway, enjoy this. Ooh, lovely. So uh, anyway, what is this? What is this? Don't overdo it. Not with your back. No, I want this one. Because it's so easy to get in and out of, you know. So there's the masala chai. Oh, that's so good. But I played with my uh, my Foot Joy Contour golf shoes yesterday, and I think they messed me up. I think they did. Because I have been used to playing golf with my walking shoes. And there is a trend out there of people playing golf with sort of walking shoe, runner-type shoe out there, and they're making golf shoes to resemble these types of shoes. And so I think I actually play better with my walking shoes on than I do with the golf shoes because those are walking around those are like those are like rain boots walking around with those things cuz they have the big uh spike coming it's not a spike it's supposedly a soft spike but it comes out of the shoe and penetrates the soil penetrates the earth makes an indentation in the earth and I am not a slender human being. I am a big bulk of man out there playing golf. I'm going to leave an indentation in that green. I don't want to leave an indentation in the green to mess up somebody's uh, to mess up somebody's putt. So I think I think from now on I'm going to play golf in one of those types of shoes. And I played with the guys last week that had those types of shoes on. And I was looking at the folks I played golf with yesterday. They had those types of shoes on. And so I think that's a big difference. I think it is because I was trying to figure out my lateral movement. You know how Scotty Scheffler uses those feet to, to make his way in and out of his swing, you know? You know how he does that? It's awesome the way he does that, but he's young and he's limber and he's not that heavy and he's got muscular tone in those legs and in the arms to be able to do that. And he's got the timing and he's got the the hand-eye coordination and all that stuff. I think the shoes really help. The shoes the shoes is the uh the shoes is the pathway or the window into the sole of the golf swing. It is. Anyway, what do you think about this? Don't overdo it. Not with your back. No, I didn't do that. I, uh, my back was okay. My back was okay yesterday. So what I did yesterday was I, I put on the wrong shoes, and, I, and, I, sh and I, I shot 82 last week, and yesterday I shot 85, and that's going to make the handicap go way up. Oh, and I got to share news about the handicap. So... I may have I may have to pause for station identification to look at the uh, website I'm using to find my handicap. So let's pause for station identification. This is the Knacker Golfers Podcast Radio Network. You are listening live to the Knacker Golfers Podcast on WTKG News Radio 2080. All right, we are back to the Knacker Golfers Podcast. Um, let me turn myself up here a little bit. Um, so the golf handicap uh, sort of website that I'm using, it's called myonlinegolfclub.com, and that is it's a free service, and it's it's out of the UK, I believe. And and the cool thing about it is that all I want is my handicap, and I don't really want anything else. And so I've played seven rounds of golf. 
starting on June 21st or June 1st of this year. I can't remember. Um, God, I don't know. I, I have seven rounds of golf this summer. And uh, my handicap now is like 5.6, but I think it's going to go up with this uh, yesterday's score. But it's cool. It's it's all I've ever wanted. It's uh, it's not like going to your local club and um, paying a bunch of money for stuff that you don't really take part in, and you have to pay all this money to to get your handicap and it's sort of back when I was a kid you I was a member of the NCGA the Northern California Golf Association and it was out of Poppy Hills in Monterey that's kind of where the uh, office was I believe or adjacent to Poppy Hills Golf Course where they used to have the AT&T Pebble Beach Ampro back in the 90s when that tournament was was awesome um, and so it, it's a good service to use. I mean, you can pay, everybody's all into statistics now and they can give you data on how you score on par threes, par fours, and par fives. That's kind of what I have now, but all I want is a handicap. And I think that, uh, it's, it's really simple and it's really, you know, it's, it's what do you, it's, it's just like this, you know, because it's so easy to get in and out of, you know, but anyway, it's just so easy to get in and out of, you know, this website and not have to pay a fee and you you can just get your handicap. They don't I think if you pay the money, you get more statistics on how you play and I don't know how they differentiate, you know, what shot is for what or if it's like a putt or if it's a drive or if it's out of the rough or you know, greens and regulation or sand saves or whatever whatever the heck you can do. It's all available now, but I mean, you can go that route and and pay the fee and get all the statistics or whatever, but it's like, I don't need a bunch of data out there. All I want, and here's another thing about the courses that are going the way they are, is that the courses don't have yardage markers in them anymore. You know, the course I played yesterday only had the yardage markers for the 150 yards, you know, why, why is that happening? Why is that happening? It's, 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 it's beginning to be a problem where you have to go to a golf course and you still have to be on your phone to be able to look at the yardage on a golf course. And it's not, it's not, I don't want to be on my phone. I don't want to be on my phone on the golf course looking at yardages all day. You know, you're supposed to be on the course to enjoy the scenery, enjoy the air, Enjoy the 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 feel of the grass. You know, you're you're looking at the hills and and feeling the wind coming off the bay. You know, that's that's what I wanted to enjoy. I don't want to be looking at my phone for yardages. Why is it so difficult to have a 200, 150 and 100 yard marker in the fairway? Is it because people have the range finders now? Is it the rangefinder? Is it the apps on the phone? What is it? You know, why is that going away? It's just a block. It's like a brick that you could have in the fairway that tells you that it's 200 yards away. I don't know why that's so difficult. And even back, even, uh, even before the iPhone came out, they used to have yardages on sprinkler heads. But I mean, that was overkill. You know, you didn't have to do all that, but I mean, just having something in the middle of the fairway and also 
There also used to be yardage markers on the tees telling you what the exact yardage is as well. This course did not have that at all. And I and I found myself looking at the uh, looking at the uh, what do you call it the scorecard, and then going on the tee and trying to find the NCGA marker telling you what the exact yardage is, and then adjusting accordingly based on where the tees are set on the on the tee. And so that's sort of important for a guy like me because I I don't have a range fighter. Those are five hundred dollars. You know my my golf my golf clubs are old and and people th- I mean golf thinks people have all this people have all this money to spend on stuff and you just don't. There's there's the things that the golf course needs to do to help the player out and that would also improve the pace of play on the golf course. Is to have properly marked golf courses. So people don't have to figure out, and I and, I, and you got to think that people, if they're trying to, even if they care about how far they are from the hole or how far their shot is, do they care? I mean, are they are they losing are they losing time looking at the phone to do that? I don't. It's just it's just not necessary to. It's just a simple thing that could be done on the golf course to tell the person where the yardage is. And I'm sorry, but the golf, the, the cart path markings of the yardages does not count because I don't hit my ball. I mean, that's assuming that you're a hacker and you're hitting your ball in the rough all the time and you're going to be in your cart looking at the yardage, whatever the stripe is on the, on the cart path. And I did see a few of those and those were really faded as well. But I think also I think that has to do with the uh, the 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 kikuya grass they have on this course because the kikuya grass will just take over anything and if it's not maintained it's just going to take over everything and there's not going to be and that's probably why they have the barber pole instead of the uh, 150 yard you know white brick that's in the uh, or the white paver that's in the ground in the uh, in the fairway. So I think that I think that that's a basic necessity that that a golfer needs to see, and I think it would improve play. And I think it's it's simple as driving down a freeway and seeing the exit and how far you are from your destination. I know the phone does that for you now, but it's it, it shouldn't be you being distracted to look at the phone while you're driving and while you're golfing. So anyway. Ooh, lovely. So that's a that's a rant here on the Knacker Golfs podcast. We need more yardage markers out on the golf course. We need them. Whatever happened to the Kirby's? Hello, Kirby's, the the little the little yardage markers that sort of stood up just a little bit. It was like a spring-loaded mechanism that had it, it was a, a it was a red and a white and a blue. And you could have those right in the middle of the fairways, and and they would compress when the mower went over them, and it wouldn't destroy it. So those were cool. Those little Kirby things were cool, and they need to be maintained. You know, there's you know maintenance is important on a golf course. This course was pretty well maintained, and you know we're in a drought, and there was a few comments in the group about, hey, this place looks pretty green for being in a drought, but you know, hey. You know, you have your 
golf course staying healthy versus golf course being dead like what they had at St. Andrews. You know, there's that sort of thing. Do you want, I mean, they can't have St. Andrews like that all the time, but uh, it, it that's in a rainy kind of a colder kind of climate as well. And there's going to be rain, but it's it's like, you know, you have to factor that in. It's it's overkill to overwater your course. You know, I've I've played courses that were really overwatered, and they and they had a lot of crabgrass in them. But uh, you know, the kuk, the kukuya on the tees can uh, it's a good. I think kukuya is better in the fairways than the, than in the tees, because the tees the tees are really spongy, and you really have a hard time getting that tee in the ground. I mean, it's not, no, it's not, it's not difficult to get it in. It's just not really, there's, there's more sponginess in the turf to, to sort of, you know, you get your tea in the ground and it's barely in there. And then you sort of, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. It's better to have it sort of firm with like Bermuda or whatever, but I, I prefer Bermuda. I think I prefer Bermuda grass to Kukui grass, but I mean, Kukui can just take over a course and they had. They had stolens of Kukuya getting on the green, and you have to edge edge around the greens to get that Kukuya out. So that's a big deal. You don't want to have Kukuya take over a green. So anyway, what do you think? Ooh, lovely. But anyway, um, so what am I up to now? It's about 40 minutes. I guess that's okay. So my online golf club is a good free service to get your handicap. So my handicap is like 5.6. So I had seven rounds. In the last month and a half. <laughs> and um, it's good. So I'm back to being, you know, a single digit handicap guy. So I'm an over opinionated, low handicap golfer. So, you know, I'm playing in the easiest course in, in the Solano County area, Yolo County area. But, you know, I shot 71 there. So that makes me a good player. No, but uh, I, I'll be hopefully getting better. And uh, I'm going to. Next week, I'm going to go back to a course that's I'm, that I'm familiar with, so I could probably shoot a better score. Hopefully, I'll get the snotty Cameron. I'll, I, no, hopefully, I'll get the snooty Cameroon back in the bag, and I'll hopefully be able to putt better with it. And um, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be uh, it'll be a good it'll be good. And, I'll, and I'm 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 pr- I'm going to probably try to try to convince mrs producer to uh, allow me to get those new golf shoes if there's anybody out there any golf company that wants to let me demo a new pair of shoes for golf that'd be awesome send them send them my way so uh i'll let you know what i think if that really matters and um it'll be fun you know hey paging puma paging Footjoy, paging uh sketchers or something like that now i'm gonna probably try to find the uh the most basic sort of running slash walking kind of a golf shoe. And I think it'll be, it'll be good. So I'm probably, I I may not buy a pair of shoes right away. I may just keep, I may stick to my walking shoes to play golf, but anyway, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to, uh, getting that snooty Cameroon thing going again. And, uh, eh, snooty Cameron, snooty Cameron. Yeah. It's a snooty Cameron. There you go. Um, Anyway, so anyway, this is the Knackered Golfist, and thank you so much for listening, and enjoy your time out on the golf course. Um, never wear your golf shoes on the practice green if you're practicing. So anyway, enjoy the golf, 
enjoy the breeze coming off the bay and enjoy cooler temperatures because we're coming into fall, hopefully. It's August, and so fall is coming, October's coming, and that's going to be the the best, I think, golfing month of the year. So anyway, thanks again for listening. God bless. On the tee, the Knackered Golfist. Four, please. The Knackered Golfist now driving. You are listening live to the Knackered Golfist Podcast. The Knackered Golfist Podcast. Because it's so easy to get in and out of, you know. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. This is the Knackered Golfist Radio Network.